listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Well, as Rod Stewart once said, it's late September and I really should be back in school, but that doesn't change the fact that it's a crazy world out there. Big upsets in the NFL and NBA and well, in one minute, the Big Ten is out. The next minute, they're back in. So I don't know about you, and I'm even getting used to watching NFL games without fans. And I'm not sure if I like that about myself. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So go to geico.com for a free Great quote. Tonight, we continue with football, football, and more football. I'm going to weigh in with my disdain for the typical week one overreaction and then talk about some legit takeaways from week one. Also, I'm adding some texture to the show. I'm calling them random ramblings, and I'm going to drop little vignettes, little stat nuggets to share that can help you gather additional information about certain matchups and things of that nature. For instance, like, did you know the last time Tom Brady threw two interceptions on opening day, well, that was 2003, and Brady went on to beat Carolina in Super Bowl 38 five months later. So there is that. After Brian Finley's epic update, we'll continue with our NFL conversation, and Sleepy is back with an NFL's best bet. Plus, I'm going to tell you why... Joe Burrow is so good. And, of course, we wrap things up with Mackinac Sports as we wrap up the show with the Thinking Man's segment of the program. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Carl Kosulke, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right, well, no sooner had the dust settled on week one of the NFL season when the Twitterverse turned into a poop fest, groupthink echo chamber. Then, you know, we knew it would. And it really rubbed me in a way I don't want to be rubbed. See, because the I told you so crowd, you know, the freakish Brady haters who shout with a palpable sense of glee every time something goes wrong for him. Well, they were all too happy to point out the Bucks were 0-1 and the Patriots were 1-0, neatly ignoring the fact that New England was at home facing a quarterback whose beard is older than your grandpa's worn-out spittoon, and he plays for a team that well, they might win six games this season. Meanwhile, Brady and company, well, they went on the road to face a Hall of Fame quarterback against a team who's on the short list to win a Super Bowl again this season. Now, it's a good thing people don't overreact much. See, this week, Belichick and company, they visit Seattle while Brady will face off against Carolina. And I bet they're both one and one when I sign on next week, and there's no point overreacting to that either. All I can say is I was in concussion protocol listening to all this Michigas. Now, I'm sticking to my guns. The Bucks are going to win 10 games this year, and the Pats will be 8-8. Eight and eight, And we'll revisit this again and again and around Thanksgiving and not before. So pump the brakes and enjoy the ride. Save your fortune cookie wisdom for another day. Wins and losses are going to decide the argument, not your subjective feelings, which brings me to the moral. Yes, yeah, see, it's tempting to overreact to week one of the NFL because it feeds your confirmation bias. If you thought Mike McCarthy was overrated in Green Bay and it was time to go, well, looky here. The Dallas Cowboys, now 5-9 and nine in their last 14, are already 0-1. 
And you can't blame Jason Garrett on this one, can you? And if you thought the Lions sucked, well, blowing a 21-point fourth-quarter lead against, yep, Mitch, just call me Joe Montana Trubisky, well, then you did your little happy dance. But overreact all you want at your own peril. Don't believe me? I'll tell you what, let's have a little fun. Let's go back exactly one year. These were the two biggest takeaways from opening week in NFL 2019 from a major publication, and I'm not going to out them. Here's the first one, and I quote, The Dallas Cowboys look Super Bowl ready. Dak Prescott should be getting a big new paycheck any day now, which he deserves, especially after Sunday's dominant performance against the New York Giants. Prescott threw for 405 yards, four TDs, zero interceptions, as the Cowboys rolled to a 35-17 win at home. Zeke ran for 51 yards and a touchdown in his first game back since spending the preseason in Cabo, and the defense looks solid. And the road to the Super Bowl could very well go through Dallas. Reality, the Cowboys didn't even make the playoffs last year. Number two, the Patriots could go undefeated again. Did you see that performance against the Steelers on Sunday night? Forget about the offense, which is incredible and will only get better when Antonio Brown gets there. The Patriots defense, of course, ranked number one. What's going to be a problem for every team it faces? And 16-0 is definitely in play, even with games against the Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys, and Ravens. They are just silly good. Reality, the Pats were 4-4 four and four down the stretch, and they were knocked out of the playoffs at home in the first round. If you just tuned in, I was talking about the overreactions from week one of 2019 and my disdain for overreactions in general week one. All right, let's take some of my, let's dive into some of my takeaways from the NFL week one. It was a nice week for upsets, man. Dogs didn't rule the day necessarily in week one, but there were three pretty big upsets which saw the dog win outright. The Cardinals were catching seven at San Fran. The Jaguars were catching up to eight, eight and a half at home against Phillip Old Man Rivers. I might have been wrong about him. And Washington, give it up. All divisional dogs. What did I say about week one divisional dogs? Well, they all pulled off outright upsets. And that really was about a 40-to-1 implied odds that that would happen entering Sunday. And it was also the first time three underdogs of at least five and a half points won in week one outright since 2005. And two of those wins came at home. First time that's happened in 31 years. The biggest winner is Arizona. They're looking good. Okay, they entered the year as a fringe playoff contender, and they strengthened their case, in my view, with a, a, a nice win over the defending NFC champions. And did I bury the lead? Yes, I did. DeAndre Hopkins, 14 catches, 151 yards. He played as advertised for the Cardinals offense, but their defense stole the show. They held San Francisco to 2 of 11 on third down and below 21 points for just the fourth time in the Niners' last 25 games. How about that Cliff Kingsbury? You didn't know he was such a defensive genius, did you? Did the Saints embarrass Brady and the Bucks? Well, you can say they did. Now, this was a very much anticipated showdown between Brady and Breeze. And the Saints were laying three and a half, and they won by 11. In a contest, frankly, that really wasn't that artful. Because Brady's game included two interceptions, one being a pick six. And Tampa Bay suffered the fate of a block kick as well. But to me, this is the ultimate irony. Here's what nobody was talking about after that game. 
What if I told you that the Bucks' run defense, which is very good, held St. Star Alvin Kamara to 16 yards on 12 carries? And the Bucks' offense actually outgained New Orleans through the air and on the ground. So if Tampa Bay can cut down on their sloppy mistakes, it's still a team that can push for the NFC title. Give it up to Cam Newton. You can say that he shined in the Patriots' debut because he rushed for two touchdowns with his new team, and he was efficient enough through the air en route to the Pats, cashing minus seven for their betters as home chalk over the Dolphins, who can be a little pesky, but then not so much. Um, you know, they scored just 11 points, and they, I, the Dolphins are okay, all right? But it was only the fourth time in the last 98 games that New England had more rushing yards 217, then passing yards, 140. And if that's going to have to be the winning formula for Bill Belichick, let's see how they do in Seattle tomorrow night. Big step up in class for the Patriots. Now, the two biggest blowouts Sunday came courtesy of the two shortest Super Bowl favorites in the market. A year after leading the league with 14 wins, the Ravens laying eight against the Browns. They blew the doors off the Browns with a 38-6 victory. Lamar Jackson, need I say more? Baltimore is every bit as dangerous this year as they were last year. And you can get plus 650 for them to win the Super Bowl. That's pretty short, but it might be a bargain. Don't forget about the Chiefs. They scored 31 unanswered points against the Texans in, an important, in a very impressive 14-point victory. It seems like forever ago. That was last Thursday. And the defense held Houston to just seven points through the first 53 minutes of the game. And give it up to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, all you fantasy people that hitched your wagon to him. He, he showed the star potential that they knew he could as Kansas City tallied more rushes than passes for the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era. And do you think running lanes will be opened up with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? If this keeps up, well, right now the Chiefs are 4-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. That might, uh, I, I don't know if, that I would get on at that price, but it's only going to get worse. So you might want to get on it now. All right. I want to just take a minute to tell you the first bet I jumped on this week because I really feel strongly about this bet. And I jumped on a Tuesday. It has to do with the Jets and the 49ers. 49ers will travel across country to play New York tomorrow. Kickoff is 1 o'clock Eastern. The total I got it at is 43.5, and I bet the under. Now, it's down to 41.5. Hopefully you can get it at 42. But I don't even think it climbs above 40. But you always still want to get the best of the number. And for purposes of this discussion, I got it at 43-and-a-half. So here's my rationale. Jimmy Garoppolo, no Debo Samuel tomorrow, no George Kittle. He's got wide receivers, uh, Brandon Ayuk and Richie James. They're hurt, too. That means Garoppolo's going to have to throw to his tight ends and running backs. But, again, no George Kittle. And that accounted for almost 70% of his targets in week one. Look, San Francisco is also very shaky on their interior offensive line right now. Daniel Brunskill, he's a brand-new starter at guard, and the 49ers may be down to their third-string center. All right, here's the situation. And by the way, so you, in summation, you've got the better of the two offenses in this game, way less than 100%. Traveling across country today to play a game tomorrow. They're going to hang out in West Virginia for 10 days before they play again, same stadium, a week from Sunday. All right. They get to, though, play against, if they wake up, and both teams wake up, against what I would consider an incredibly listless Jets offense They couldn't score in a women's prison with a fistful of 50s. The Jets averaged 17 points per game last season, 
and they needed extended garbage time just to get to 17 in week one against a defense of similar quality to San Francisco and their opponent last week, who were the Buffalo Bills. So needless to say, I really, really, really like this under tomorrow. San Francisco at New York. I think it's now at 41 and a half, but I just can't see me climbing above 40. It'd be nice if you get it at 42. We're just getting started tonight. Coming up, Steve Fezzik, he's going to join me via phone as we make the NFL rounds for week two action, lightning round style. So keep it locked. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. And what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. All right, let's welcome him in. Joining us on our two-year anniversary of the Saturday night edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the only two-time winner of the Hilton now prestigious, well, the Hilton now Westgate prestigious super contest. That would be one, Mr. Steve Fezzik. Fez, how are you tonight? It's an exciting time. I know Mackenzie Rivers has been going down, putting in the entries in that super contest for us. So uh, we're all excited. It is a team effort. Let's dive right into this and take a tour around the NFL Week 2 lightning round style. Fez, I want to start with Buffalo and Miami, a divisional matchup. I think Buffalo might be better than people think. They don't score a lot of points, but they somehow manage to find Ws. Yeah, Buffalo is underrated, I think. Eight trips into the red zone last week against the Jets. They come away with only three touchdowns. Think about this. The Jets got two touchdowns. And they probably shouldn't have had had any. Crowder gets a miracle 70-yard touchdown pass that should have been an eight-yard pass and a backdoor score with a minute to play. Uh, Buffalo left a lot of points behind them last week, and I think they get more points this week. All right, let's head. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's stay in the same state. Miami's hosting that game tomorrow, by the way, laying, I believe, five and a half, right, Fez, against Buffalo? Yes. Okay, let's stay in the same state. Tampa Bay laying eight. Tom Brady, we all saw what happened last week. But uh, Brady, after a loss in his career in the last 25 games, 19-6, and six, including 17-8 and eight against the number. Talk about Tampa, Carolina tomorrow. Brady is overrated. He's my number 19 quarterback. Two ugly interceptions last week in week one. And, yes, he'll get better as he gets more experience with Tampa Bay. But I wonder about how he's going to be tomorrow with 20 to 30 mile-an-hour wins. I got to this total late, Bernie. I just played under 47.5. Even though Carolina has no defense, I think the weather's going to keep it under. You know, Tampa's got a defense, and they held New Orleans. They held Alvin Kamara to 16 yards last week. And I understand, uh, Fez, the last time that uh, Christian McCaffrey lined up against uh, Tampa Bay, he got like 26 yards. So I think Tampa Bay's defense will be there tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And it sure looks like a 24-20 to 20 type of game. So I'm on the under. Pittsburgh laying a full touchdown against Denver. I know Denver has got a lot of injuries but the Steelers, for whatever reason, not great following Monday night games, just 3-12 and as a home favorite after a Monday night game in the last 15. I'm going to keep this one simple. Pittsburgh has an elite defense. They had an elite defense last year. They only won eight games, 
because they had horrendous quarterback play from Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Ben looked decent, if not good. If Ben is good, Pittsburgh is a contender, and Denver, with all their injuries, is not going to hang within a touchdown. I like Pittsburgh. Dallas home tomorrow against the Atlanta Falcons. There's already pressure on both head coaches. Dallas, big issue. Their offensive line isn't what people thought it was. Yeah, so what happened, Frederick, their center back in March, retired. And then Collins went down. His backup went down. And now Tyron Smith is a game-time decision. He's really good. He's their second-best lineman with so many missing pieces. We know the Falcons are going to put up points. Will Dallas be able to put up enough to cover? I don't think so. I'd look Atlanta. And one of the uglier games, perhaps, in NFL history, the Niners will visit the New York Jets tomorrow. And I've, I've already on record that the under is my favorite play of the week, but not for nothing, the Jets 12-20 and 20 in their last 32 against the number. However, the 49ers are deplorable, 113-1 against the spread since 2014 as a road favorite versus teams with a losing record. Do you have an angle on this game you like? I don't know if it's an angle, but I agree with you on the under. San Francisco's offense is going to underperform. So Samuel is still out, their only good wide receiver. And Kittle, their only other good receiver, isn't going to play. So the 49ers, no problem. They'll run the ball, and they run the ball very well. But the one thing the Jets can do is stop the run. Jets ranked second in the league in rush defense last year. So if San Francisco's not going to get very many points, I want to bet the Jets, and I did bet the Jets. But without Crowder at wide receiver, the Jets have no playmakers. They're not going to score as well. I think under, I think Corley at parlay, dogged under as well. And, of course, for the Niners, no Kittle, no Debo Samuel, so it should be an ugly fest. Speaking of ugly, more, my goodness, how does Indy put up 445 yards last week and they don't pump, but they lose? Now they're laying three tomorrow against Minnesota, an angry Minnesota Viking team fest. We all know how Zimmer does after a loss. I, is it my imagination? I think the wrong team is getting points tomorrow. Yeah, I bet Minnesota, Zimmer, 76% historically off of a loss. So everything to like about Minnesota. However, you did mention Indy. Their stats were pretty darn good for a loss. Outgained Jacksonville by 200 yards. Now Minnesota has an injury to their offensive line as well. And they certainly look to be potentially this year to be missing digs. They're going to have to score a lot of points because that defense has sieves in it all over the place. So I bet Minnesota, but um, it's not my best play by any means now. Well, let's not forget the Colts will be missing running back Marlon Mack. So we'll see. If uh, the young rookie out of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, tool time, can, uh, can step in. All right, this game's getting a lot of conversation, and of course, you know me, I'll have, I'll have interest in this game. Detroit visiting Green Bay, catching six and a half. I would just say this Aaron Rodgers versus the Lions in his career period 15 and five straight up, 41 touchdowns and interceptions, a 105 passer rating, and Detroit's got injuries all over the place, including in their defensive backfield. But you have the courage of a burglar. You like the dog here, don't you? <laughs> Courage, I don't know, might, might not be the right word. I do like the dog. I know you alerted me to the three quarterbacks all being out for Detroit. And, of course, that's why they lost to the Bears and blew a 17-point lead and a 10-point lead with five minutes to play last week because of those cornerback injuries. 
Aaron Rodgers was great last week, but Aaron Rodgers has not even been good the two years before. Bottom line, the Lions, I think, have covered their last six games against the Packers, and I do think that they have enough firepower in a shootout to get within the number. And by the way, it's, it turns out rookie Jeffrey Okuda, the first-round draft pick, it looks like he is going to play and start a cornerback tomorrow for the Lions. Giants visit Chicago, the Miracle Bears laying five and a half. Seems like a lot of points, Fizz. Well, we talked about how the Lions should have won. That means the Bears, they really should have lost a lot of bad decisions by the, um, the Detroit Lions, including attempting a 55-yard field goal with five minutes to play up 10. And Trubisky, I do not trust at all. I understand that the Giants didn't look all that good against Pittsburgh, but bottom line is I think it's going to be an ugly, close game. I will look towards the dog. Another game getting a lot of conversation, and we'll certainly get a lot of eyeballs tomorrow night. New England and Bill Belichick will visit Seattle, and it'll be awfully quiet, uncharacteristically, up there in the the, uh, Pacific Northwest. The Seahawks laying four. You don't need me. You nail the number one factor, Seattle missing the 12th man. Seattle has the number one home field advantage, but that's because of crowd noise, and it's not going to be there. But I'm not going to bet New England, and here's why. Seattle, the wise guys have always hated because they run too much, especially in the first half and especially on first down. And against Atlanta, they winged it to lock it to Metcalf. They threw the ball almost two-thirds of the time, and Seattle is a much better team when Russell Wilson's skills are being displayed on every down and for all four quarters. I'll pass. We're talking with Steve Fezzik. You hear him weekdays here, straight out of Vegas, 3 to 4 Pacific, 6 to 7 East, uh, Eastern, Monday through Friday. The only two-time winner of the prestigious Hilton Now Westgate Super Contest, and he's part of a team with R.J. Bell and the crew here for this year as well. Fez, let's squeeze one more in. It's your best bet of the week as the Rams visit Philadelphia. Yeah, and I'm on the Eagles Minus the one as my best bet, Bernie. And this is all about an overreaction to week one. Think about where these teams were before the season started. The Eagles, their season win number was nine and a half. And I did bet it under. It was my best bet under. The Rams over under was eight and a half to start the year. So the Eagles clearly were thought to be not just the better team, but the considerably better team. All right, let's give the Rams a little bit of an upgrade for winning a close game against Dallas, and let's downgrade the Eagles, but recognize they had four offensive linemen that were missing by the end of that game. Now they get one of them back in Lane Johnson, and they get their running back back. Bottom line with those two adjustments, now we've got two pretty even teams. The Eagles are the desperate team at 0-1 that needs the win. The Eagles are the East Coast team with the – 10 a.m. start time, the Rams flying all the way across the country. If I've got two almost equal teams and I've got the Eagles in the much better situation and they're at home, of course I'm going to lay one point with the Eagles. Eagles best bet. Thanks so much, Fez. We'll catch you next week, buddy. Good luck tomorrow. Bernie, you're the best. Thank you. Right back at you. That is Steve Fez, the only two-time winner of the prestigious Hilton. Now Westgate Super Contest, and you hear him every weekday day, 3 to 4 p.m. with R.J. Bell and the crew. That's 3 to 4 Pacific, 6 to 7 Eastern. Coming up, we've got Sleepy's Best Bet, and I'm going to tell you why Joe Burrow is so good. Yes, he is that good. But first, hey, well, let's go to the man who possesses infinite wisdom. (laughs) 
and he has answers to all of life's toughest questions. And in fact, later on in hour two tonight, he's <laughs> going to tell us why kamikaze pilots wear helmets. It's Brian Finley with the latest. You know, I'm more of a socks with sandals kind of guy. That's all <laughs> I know when it comes to anything in this world. Just ask my mom. The Celtics channel their locker room emotional flare-ups after game two into coolly sun-kissing the heat 117-106 in game three of the Eastern Conference Finals. Miami still up 2-1. Jalen Brown led Boston with 26 points, attacking the rim with ferocity. After the game, he states how relieving this win feels. To be honest, I didn't get much sleep the last 48 hours, man. I was so you know, antsy to get back and play basketball. I don't think the last two games exemplify you know, what this team is about. Um, so I couldn't wait to come out and be the best version of myself and try to add to a win. And I'm glad to be a part of this team and this organization, and I'm proud of how we responded. In college football, Derek King shoulders number 17 Miami with three touchdowns as the Canes diminish 18th-ranked Louisville 47-34. Number 14 UCF dunking on Georgia Tech 49-21. Central Florida's Dylan Gabriel slung it for a career-high 417 yards along with four touchdowns. Number 7 Notre Dame improves to 2-0 after emasculating South Florida 52 to nothing. 21-year-old Matthew Wolf shoots a Saturday 65 to skyrocket to a two-shot lead at the U.S. Open with one round to play. The Dallas Stars crumple up the Tampa Bay Lightning 4-1 in the first game of the Stanley Cup Final. The Minnesota Twins officially join the postseason fray after pouncing on the Cubs 8-1. Minnesota remains three games back of the AL Central leading White Sox with six regular season games left. Now let's get back to a man who wears his var jacket roaming the streets of Vegas with a kilt on. It's Bernie Fratto. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, are the comedic stylings of the man affectionately known as Brian, the silver-tongued devil, Finley. Thanks again, Brian. All right, tomorrow, well, Josh, it's already tomorrow in a lot of the country, but in about uh, 10 hours and 27 minutes, the Dallas Cowboys season, who knows, the way they live and die on every little thing may look very different because they sure don't want to start 0-2 or they have an 83% chance of not making the playoffs. So let's face it, the future of their season will fall on the shoulders and legs of their quarterback, Dak Prescott. Sleepy weighs in with a best bet having to do with that game. Let's give it a listen. All right, Bernie, my NFL Sunday best bet, Dak Prescott over 15 and a half rushing yards. So what do we know about Dak when it comes to running the ball? When Dak has run one or less times in the last 10 games, Dallas is 0-10. On the flip side, Dak for his career is 17-4 and straight up when he rushes the ball five or more times in a game. Now, Dallas is at home. Dak ran the ball four or more times in five out of eight home games. Season before that, Dak ran the ball four or more times in six out of eight home games. So it's no question that Dak likes to run at home. I believe it might be because of the comfortability at home and the sight lines. Last week, Dak only ran the ball three times, but he's crucial in the running attack when he tucks the ball and takes off running. 
two times against the Rams last week, Dak rushing attempts resulted in the Cowboys getting a first down. In Dak's third attempt, he helped Dallas turn a third and 13 into a fourth and one after a 12-yard rush. Dallas went ahead and they converted that fourth and one fourth down attempt. The question is, how do we know if Dak will run? Well, we know the Falcons' defense is rather bad. Now, I looked at some running quarterbacks against Atlanta last year, being that our sample size for this year is just one game. Last year, Kyler Murray, 32 yards rushing against Atlanta. Deshaun Watson, 47 yards. Marcus Mariota, 22. Taysom Hill, 33. Even Gardner Minshew, 36. Jake Allen also ran for 24 yards against these Atlanta Falcons. All those quarterbacks went well over this posted total of 15.5 rushing yards for Dak Prescott. And last week, Russell Wilson, he even ran for 29 yards against this Atlanta defense. So it's clear, Bernie, after we add it all up, we're going to go ahead. We're going to play Dak Prescott over 15.5 rushing yards. NFL Sunday, best bet. And it's going to be all systems go. Dak Prescott is going to have to make plays tomorrow to get this Cowboys team over the hump against a Falcons team who's done pretty well week two with Matt Ryan coming off a loss. Speaking of quarterbacks, one of the talks of the town for the first week and a half of the NFL this year is a young man out of LSU named Joe Burrow. And I heard uh, I heard people talking about him on the year. And I, Friday I heard uh, R.J. talking to Jonas Knox about him. And I want to throw in my two cents. And before I want to tell you why I think Joe Burrow is so good, let's set some parameters. Quarterback is a position you play with your eyes. You receive the ball, you make mental snapshots, you make your read progressions, and then you execute. See, these are things Joe Burrow did at LSU. And there are many things that Joe Burrow did at LSU that are translating to the next level, and they do translate to the next level. First, look at Burrow's consistency. What he did from game one last year in college to the national championship was unprecedented, arguably the greatest quarterback season we've ever seen at the college level ever. What, he throw 60 touchdown passes? You don't just fall into that. You look at things like processing. The jump from LSU to the pro is about to the pros, to the NFL, it's about the ability to process information quickly. See, they did a lot of stuff last year where it was five out, and they were forcing Joe Burrow to see, react, and process things quickly, and he proved he could. Then you add technique to that, which is something I believe also translates. Joe Burrow has got a great tight release, very good accuracy, and because of that, he's got a lot of things to translate and he is showing already in the NFL with a terrible offensive line and not a plethora of weapons that he is highly effective. His pocket presence, his anticipation, his ball placement, they're as good or better than they're as good or better than any quarterback since Andrew Luck coming into the league, if not better. So his ability, Burrow's ability to effortlessly place himself in an ideal position to make the throw is exceptional. That means good footwork. Joe Burrow is the goods. If you talk about moving in the pocket, if you talk about the ability to see the field, all of those are his strengths. Ball placement, he's got an elite NFL ball placement. But one of my favorite things about Joe Burrow, he's a cool customer. He's an extreme competitor, but there's zero panic in his game. I mean, zero panic. And one final added element that I don't think people talked about enough There's an element to Burrow's game that makes him even more dangerous and effective, and that's his mobility. 
Burrow does a phenomenal job of using his feet when plays break down or nothing is open downfield. Burrow's got the quickness and athleticism to dodge pass rushers, and he can rip off yards in chunks due to defenses sleeping on his running ability. He finds the first down marker and gets there. He's also very wise about when to run and does not look to run when his first read is covered. He's got amazing patience. His feet come into play when he has to to avoid a sack or nothing is open downfield. Joe Burrow is able to extend plays, and he does an excellent job of, again, keeping his eyes downfield when he runs. If you laid six the other night with the Cleveland Browns, you know what I'm talking about. Keep an eye on Joe Burrow. In a long line of first pick overalls, try that again in English, in a a long line of first overall picks by the Bengals going all the way back to Greg Cook in the 70s, Joe Burrow is going to be a gem, and he's got a huge career in this league, and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Coming up, you know him, you love him, you can't leave without him. It's Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers, and we'll give some best bets as well. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. And this is Straight Out of Vegas. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Straight out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight is my two year anniversary of Straight Out of Vegas, the Saturday edition. And I want to thank. Everybody who tunes in, listens, supports the show, tweets at us, all that good stuff. And I also want to thank, before I go any further, my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. That would be Brian Finley, Chris Perfett, and Eric Roberts, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. All right, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. It's that time of the show. Mackinac Sports, Mackenzie Rivers, and uh, Mackenzie heading into last week, you had a theory about the NFL. Uh, having to do with the fact that there was less prep time and no preseason games, and now actually you've got some data to support that theory. Yes, and I can't take credit for that theory. It was the guys here, especially uh, RJ and Fez, that all preseason we were talking about what are the effects of COVID. Well, one, no preseason games. Two, kind of under the radar, much less 11-on-11 full contact practice. So our theory was precision passing, timing, things that it takes a while to get down during training camp, Those will not be ready to go week one. And we've seen it. We predicted it. Rushing league-wide, way up compared to passing. Rush attempts, the most since 1997 per game per team. Rushing yards per game, the most since 1988. That's Eric Dickerson land we're talking about. (laughs) It's throwback football so far in the early, early going. And what's interesting is with all the rule changes that favor the passing game, you really can't touch the quarterback and you can't make much contact with the receivers. That's a lot of rush attempts for game, quite quite frankly, which I think shortens games, which i got to believe has a correlation to the under, which will lead to my best bet, which I'll give at the end of the show. And I know you've got a couple best bets. Before we get to those, talk about a couple of games. You, Big Ben and Pittsburgh, they come out of the gate with a win at New York last week. Tomorrow they're laying a ton against Denver. Pittsburgh, though, just 3-12 and against the spread at home after a Monday night game as Denver visits. you have a thought on that game? I do. I like the Steelers, like Fez does. I like minus six and a half. Now you can get it. Uh, Here's another trend for you to kind of counteract your trend. After a win, the Steelers at home, 58% all time. Under Tomlin, last 15 years, 58%. So whatever reason, when they get a win and they're home, they're usually better. And I think this is particularly going to be a good spot for Ben Roethlisberger. I like my best bet right now, 
Take advantage of it. Big Ben, no INT. You can get plus 110 out there. Why? The Steelers are fundamentally different from Big Ben's days back in a few years ago when he was throwing 45 times per game. Last week, 30 times per game. Last year, the Steelers, without Big Ben, they threw only 32 times per game. They throw a lot less. They run a lot more. They're defensive-oriented. And Big Ben's always been better at home than on the road. I really think against this Broncos team, that's not the defense it used to be. Big Ben, no interception, plus 110 is a good bet. Well, let's stay on that game for just a second because look at their opponent, the Denver Broncos, coached by Vic Fangio, who's a defensive specialist. But they're not exactly a takeaway uh, force like they used to be, and that was with Von Miller, and now they don't even have Von Miller. Yes, and last year with Von Miller again, they were bottom five in forcing interceptions. That has a lot to do with getting to the quarterback, making him uncomfortable. They were tough to do that last year, only 20th in passer pressure rating with Von Miller. Without him last year, the Titans had no problem blocking. I don't think the Steelers are going to have much pressure. I think Big Ben, again, gets out of this game without throwing a pick, and you get a plus-money payout. The Bears had a miracle fourth-quarter comeback last week, and Mitch Trubisky, we talked about it, for whatever reason, he's now 4-0 against the Lions with a great passer rating and all of those things. But it's hard for me to believe Matt Nagy is going to really want to go hog wild with uh, Mitch Trubisky as the New York Giants uh, come to town. The Bears also not great as a home favorite against non-division teams. They're 0-9 in their last nine in that spot. Maybe there's some value here with the Giants. I'm not involved in the game. But again, here is another situation where you're, I would, I'll put this in quotes, a fundamental change in the NFL due to lack of you know, op, you know, opportunity for preparation is going to affect this Bears game as well. Yes, and I think you couple that fundamental change throughout the league with the fundamental change we've seen with this Bears team. Matt Nagy doesn't have the, the incredible stout defense that he inherited. Cleo Mack hurt, Hakeem Hicks not been the same since he got his elbow hurt last year. Look at this stat, Bernie. Under the first 21 games under Matt Nagy, the Bears maybe the best defense in football. So that's his first year there, plus the first five games before Hakeem got hurt last year. Hakeem Hicks, that is. That, during that time span, first 21 games under Nagy, they allowed a league-best 75 rushing yards per game. Just completely stout. Since them, since Hicks got hurt, since they've kind of gotten away from their identity, the last 14 games, 120 yards per game allowed, 50 yards more than previously. I think the number here for Saquon Barkley, his prop rushing yards, is based on the Bears being an elite defense that they're just not anymore. I love it. With the league-wide trend, people running more. Saquon Barkley, bounce-back game for him. I like him over 68.5 rushing yards. I like that prop a lot. All right, before we get to my best bet, I want to talk about another game that's certainly going to feature a ton of running tomorrow night, at least for the visiting team, and that's New England. They visit Seattle. I actually look for Russell Wilson to throw the ball around a lot, a little bit more tomorrow night. But Pete Carroll has developed this odd dichotomy that's not particularly favorable. He's 54-35 and 35 against the spread in the NFL in his career as a dog. But only 66 and 72 when laying points, including only 19 and 31 against the spread when he's laying points at home, coming off a win. This is going to be an interesting game tomorrow night. What do you make of Cam Newton and the Patriots and their run first offense? It couldn't have been more impressive week one. I mean, isn't it like Bill Belichick to do the same thing for 20 years, get a new toy? And he's racing down the racetrack with his new Lamborghini. Cam Newton over rushing yards is another props I'd look to tomorrow. 
All right, sounds good. We don't have a. I don't mean to put you on the spot. We don't know what that number is. No, no, I haven't okay. investigated that myself. Yeah, you know he's going to take off and run a lot, and, yes. and that's his default mechanism. And I think that's going to hurt New England as the season goes on. That's why he got hurt in the first place. All right, you've already heard my best bet earlier in the show, but it bears repeating. I don't like. I love the Jets 49ers under of 43 and a half. I got it at 43 and a half. Now you might get it at 42 or 41 and a half. But again, you've got a situation where Jimmy Garoppolo and his wide, best wide receiver, Debo Samuel, and his all-pro tight end, George Kittle, neither one are going to play. And even his two ty- t- targets, Brandon Ayuk and Richie James, they're battling hamstring injuries. Add to that, San Fran is very shaky on the interior offensive line. They've got a new starter at guard, and they may be down to their third-string center. This matters. So the better the two offenses tomorrow night or tomorrow – is less than 100%. But again, they get to go against a Jets offense that's terrible. As I said earlier, and it bears repeating, they could not score in a women's prison with a fistful of 50s. They averaged 17 points last year (laughs) per game. And I don't think they'll get to that tomorrow. The game's got 17-13 written all over it. All right, we're just hours away from week two in the NFL. I want to thank uh, Steve Fezzik for joining us tonight. Thanks, Mackenzie, for your research, and I want to thank everybody for listening. This is our two-year anniversary show. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville, Jason Martin, and it's the Jason Martin Show. Straight out of Vegas!